right, welcome to episode 23 of the At Bat Podcast presented by War Media, where we give you our thoughts on latest Chicago baseball news as well as take a trip around the league. So this week we have Gabe Wilkins, another member of the War family, filling in for Miles, who's in Israel, and he's in there for a, he's going to be there for a week. And uh, we're definitely gonna I'm gonna stitch some some content on here because he's gonna send me some videos. He's he's over there uh, helping some uh, some players kind of get. Uh, I think they're training for uh, uh, for I think this is their first year in Israel. Some of the players and, and Miles has been there before. He's played over there, um, okay. so he's kind of like you know he's kind of uh, being like their their uh, uh, I guess giving them advice and stuff of like how it is over there. So because he's been there and done that. So yeah, well definitely I told him to send me some videos of him over there. I think he he, he was going to send me something today, and he was like, I, my phone died and I got lost. So, <laughs> and I'm like, damn, in another country, that's, that's tough. So, yeah. So, uh, we'll, we'll definitely be sitting on there. But Gabe, how you doing today, man? I know we were talking a little bit about the sacks, so you're feeling good after that uh, that win here today. On, we're recording this on a Wednesday, so. Yeah, I'm feeling real good, man. It's a pleasure to be back on, talking baseball as always, which you saw. Um, definitely after a White Sox winner, you know, to take two out of three against one of the hottest teams, not only just in the American League, but mm-hmm. all of baseball in the Seattle Mariners. Uh, that's, that's huge, especially yeah. going into a four-game series with Oakland. You capitalize on this road trip and you find a way to finish anywhere between four and three or five and two, you know, you would take that. Oh yeah. I mean, that, that, and that's how I was saying too, is that they had a big week and it's not even been like just in the last seven days, but it's just been in general. I mean, winners of six, of the last eight. I mean, you, you, the thing is with the Sox is like, I feel like we've been here before a couple of times and you kind of want to like, um, you kind of want to say, Hey, the socks are back. But then you kind of like, if you say that, then you might, you know, they might, <laughs> I feel like the last time, the last time is when they like, they won like two against the Astros. Right. And I'm like, man, are the socks, is this it? Like, are they finally back? And then all of a sudden they lost, they lost the last two games of that series. And then, you know, back to square one. So, I mean, the loss yesterday definitely was a little tough against the Mariners. We'll get into that series in a sec, but starting, we'll, we'll rewind a little bit into the end of that, that Royal series, because, winning that Royal series is kind of like from, from like uh, from someone who's not, you know, familiar with these two teams, you're like, hey, it's just, you know, a, you know, a better team, you know, you know, being the Royals, whatever. But I think it's such a big deal because of how the Royals have played the White Sox this year. So like uh, in kind of seeing that, how, how did you feel about finally beating the Royals in a series like that? And especially in this time of the year. Well, it was good to close out the year strong yeah. against Kansas city. Kansas city has been a thorn in the White Sox side for pretty much all my life of following White Sox baseball and being the AL Central rival that they are, you know, whether they're competing in the thick of the AL Central race or not, as we know now that they're eliminated, they've they've always caused a lot of havoc. And they have a lot of young, talented players, such as Bobby Wood Jr., Michael Massey, MJ Melendez, of course, the veteran Salvador Perez, you know, behind the plate. He, you know, he has a loud bat as well. He always has some time to hit to, against White Sox. I, I thought that was a huge series to find a way to win two out of three, especially considering the way that that series began, the way that Kansas City came in, you know, was hitting home runs left and right, where, you know, Nick Prado got hot. That was another young guy that, that's on their roster, left-handed bat with some pop. I, I thought that was huge. I liked the way 
being at that game when they won on Thursday of last week, being at that game, seeing the way that Cueto was able to give them, you know, yet another quality start, didn't have his best stuff, but to be able to hold them to just one run, I thought was great. I thought Elvis Andrews stepped up and had some big time hits in that game. Andrew Vaughn hitting the home run, AJ Pollock. I really began, that's when we, I really believe that's when we began to see him starting to turn the corner for the better as we see like his powers coming and typically just looking at his numbers and home runs by the month in the season, he tends to hit the majority of his home runs in September and October. And that's the type of things that the White Sox are going to need, especially when they lack a lot of power. But to close out the year against Kansas City, taking two out of three, when Kansas City took the season series 10 to nine out of the 19 matchups for the second year in a row, um, you take those wins any way you can get them, especially when you're in a division race. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, it's funny. And it's funny because you, you watch those games and you're thinking like, you know, yeah, like you said, the Royals are out of it. Yeah. Uh, whatever right but the roster of the royals is actually better when you really look at it when you when you play them right it's like they're still a couple years away from you know being competitive but the types of players they have there um you know they have a lot of talent you know with you mentioned melendez you mentioned wit and the thing is too is like the pitching staff also for a team in their position i think they have some impressive arms i mean brady singer has pitched well against you guys all season so I mean, that's a guy that you know that could if they if he can pitch like that you know against the lineup like the Sox you know obviously haven't been healthy the whole year but you know some of the batters in there you know obviously like Jose Abreu like if he you know he can pitch like that he's gonna you know be doing he's pitching a lot in the AL Central for you know a long time so yeah it's a good good series win for them and and it's kind of like you know what like tell you know kind of showing up finally for the you know for the final series against the Royals I think it's you know kind of help the Sox the confidence booster regardless of who you're playing that helped out because in that very next series, probably one of the biggest series uh, of the season so far, because obviously, you know, obviously there's still a few more games left against the twins, but that series against the twins over the weekend. And you mentioned you were at all three games. I mean that all three games, you know, regardless of, of, of like, you know, it being a blowout, obviously we'll get to that cease uh, almost no hitter, but that, you know, all those three games felt like postseason games, you know, it felt like, uh, like the, you know, the twins knew what they, you know, what they had to do, the socks and what they had to do. And let's start with that first game. The, that first game uh, in the ninth inning when, uh, you know, the uh, the Sox, I, they believe they went into the bottom of the ninth down 3-2, or, right? Or was it 3-3? Because oh, Brad, yeah, Dahl, yeah, yeah. Brad Dahl hit that home run in the bottom of the eighth. Yeah, the oh, first, there you go. Yeah, on yeah, the first pitch, it. it was right, a curveball right. off a mm-hmm. T-ball. Yeah. Bar, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then and then in the bottom of the night they had the the I believe it was the bases loaded Jose Abreu was batting, right? Yep. And then they they had the, the whole situation which I was see I, I had a wedding over the weekend and on Friday when we were at, like after the rehearsal then we went to the bar and we're watching the game and I got plenty of friends that are Sox and we're, they're watching that and they're just like like it was just hilarious because like when they when they saw the first uh or what they thought was hit by pitch right where it hit off the bat off the knob of the bat mm-hmm. and everybody was celebrating going crazy <laughs> even the Sox are celebrating. And like, I mean, I can only imagine that at, at the field, right? How how was that? Oh man, that was. I've been to close to twenty Sox games this season. That was by far one of the craziest, if not craziest, games I've been to in the last ten years at Guarantee Ray Field. I must admit it to you. <laughs> uh, and I've been out of the twenty, out of the close to twenty games I've been to, I've seen the walk, the White Sox get a walk off win three times, and that was the third. But that was that was a that was a wild situation. You had a lot going on, you know. Like if I could just 
go rewind. Remember, Andrew Vaughn got hit almost in the face. You know, oh, yeah, he yeah. went up and in on. Mm-hmm. But you know, with Lopez, and that's what brought the the brawl. And the, yeah, the bench is cleared, cleared, right? Yeah, stuff yeah. like that. And, and I, I was actually kind of happy to see that from the standpoint mm-hmm. of it was the first time all year that I feel as though I saw the White Sox show some fight. Defending mm-hmm. their brother, even though I don't think it was an intentional pitch. Yeah, yeah I think you know with Andrew Vaughn having been pitched up close and high inside a lot recently, having take, taken a hit to the face in the Cleveland series a couple of weeks ago, he took that personally, and you could tell, and, and that's what bought the benches out. I, I like Miguel Cairo defending his players, something that I thought that Tony Larusa should have done more of and had opportunities to do. It, just, it was just a positive thing to see the mm. fight in the life. And I mm. think what it did was, I think it brought an energy in that ballpark that was um, playoff-like. And it mm. definitely felt like a playoff game from start yeah. to finish. But but to see that and, and, and when they overturned the Abreu hit by pitch, and, and you mm. could see that it hit off his back when they showed the replay, mm. it was unfortunate. But I still had a feeling being in the building, like, you know, with the way that team had responded, you know, but then mm-hmm. brother Andrew Vaughn, I, I just had a feeling like no matter what, they're going to find a way to pull it out. Mm-hmm. It just, that, that, you know, at, at that moment, I felt like Grand Dog getting that home run, that was the biggest hit of his season thus far. You know, it's mm-hmm. been so many times where he's had opportunities with whether with men on base, two outs or not, team down, and he hasn't cashed in. And to cash in in that situation, man, it, it sent the shockwave through the ballpark mm-hmm. like, I mean, it made it feel like it really did feel like game one of a of an ALCS series. It really, mm-hmm. did. yeah, no, and and I think kind of uh, you know Jorge Lopez, the guy, the pitcher for the the Twins, in that situation because it's, it's come back to me now. But like the that situation where you know he he hits Andrew Vaughn and Vaughn gets like I or almost hits Andrew Vaughn, but like I I get the, the situation on both ends. Obviously, nobody wants to almost get it or get it regardless. I understand that in the moment you're probably going to be pissed, but. I'm just like, man, like Lopez should have just kept his mouth shut, been like, you know, because he didn't mean it. Obviously, he didn't mean to like, you know, do that. But I think Lopez should have not said anything because that's probably what like, you know, got the White Sox, uh, you know, bench going because because he yeah. would just like he just I think he got mad. He was mad probably, you know, that he almost did that or whatever. But I'm just like, man, if you didn't mean to do it, like, what's the point? But um, it is what it is. But yeah, crazy ending. Sox obviously ended up winning that game um, and ended up winning the series. Um, and it, it, I mean, just overall that like just a huge, huge series win for them, obviously in game three, Jay Lito, he pitched well, um, but it just it didn't end up uh, going well for the Sox as a whole. Um, they lost five to one in that one, but hopefully that, that Jay Lito, like I was, uh, I was talking to one of my buddies at Sox and I'm like, maybe that's, this is kind of what gets Jay Lito going is, you know, getting some, you know, some, some positive innings in there and just and because it's like you always know what you're getting with Jay Lito when he's on right it's like he's gonna give up a few runs gonna give up a couple runs but guess what he's gonna pitch six or seven innings and strike out eight or nine guys so that if that's you know but the thing is is that you can't he can't be giving up kind of like what he had his outing before where he gave up seven runs and that's kind of the Giolito we've seen a little bit throughout the season and you know the Giolito I think is his stuff is so good so it's like we hope you know next year he can kind of uh bounce back and he can use this September if it's you know it's a positive one to do that uh but going into that uh Seattle series um I knew that you know and and it it was going to be a tricky series just because you know it's always west west coast is always annoying you know for midwest teams and even the east coast especially east coast teams but going out there and then now playing you know a very very talented team like the Mariners 
I really thought, you know, because after game one, game one was again, another playoff like game and another game where Sox players, you know, stepped up. I mean, AJ Pollock who has been great in the second half. I mean, he's got an, you know, an eight twelve OPS compared to that six Oh one in the first half. He's been great. And he's always great against left-handers, which of course that's why he started and, and hit, I believe he hit third that game if, I, if I'm uh, mistaken, but he, he, you know, he hits nine eighty three against left-handers. So uh, it was OPS, sorry, nine eighty three OPS, but yeah, kind of what, what did you see in, in not only the whole series, but in these games, especially the third one, the third one, obviously we talked a little bit before we got on was, you know, the, the Mariners, uh, their miscues lead to a Sox win. They took advantage. They were down by four and they ended up uh, getting that series win two games to one. Uh, what did you see overall from this series uh, that kind of, you know, uh, tra- you know, transferred from that Minnesota series that helped the Sox get a series win? I saw a team, you know, find life again over the last four days, you know, like I said, I was at the ballpark from Thursday through Sunday. And when I went, you know, they were three and one of those games. And I, I saw a team that took that energy from Friday night and still in a game that I'll be honest, they, they really, you can make an argument for them not having won that game. Minnesota mm-hmm. was pretty much in control of that game for the most part. Granted, the White Sox did rally back. They had some chances, didn't cash in. But with Grandall's home run and his eighth combined with the walk-off win and the fashion in which it came in, mm-hmm. I think it ignited the energy in that ball club, man. And, and they carried that to Seattle. I think Andrus getting that home run over the outstretched arms of a Mitch Hannigan made a hell of an effort to try and corral that ball out in right field. Elvis Andrews, you know, he's hit, like, I believe, five out of his last 11 home runs this season in T-Mobile Park. I just saw a team, man, with some with some life, man, and, and, mm-hmm. and, and really want to fight. And I, I think a lot of that is being led by acting manager Miguel Cairo. I think the players in that locker room have kind of um, been able to exhale a little bit, even in the midst of a division race where, you know, they, they're playing free. You know, I, I really feel like this team is playing with a nothing-to-lose attitude. You know, it, it's, it's, it's right now – they can, you know, they could either, they could easily be moping, but the fact that they're two and a half games out and still got a fighting chance, you know, to save their season, I, I think that's that's a, that's a big deal. But I, I saw a team just carrying momentum, carrying momentum, getting big hits in big situations, taking advantage of, of, of miscues by, you know, Seattle pitching and, seeing guys just come like come together collectively, man. Like what Eloy Jimenez did today, Jose Abreu, you know, a guy that's in his mid-30s, he's hustling and bustling, and he's playing hurt. You know, I, I watch this team every day, and, and he's playing hurt. But he's always hustling, and to beat out a double play, which led to, you know, Eloy's two-run home run to cut that lead in half with two outs. That that was that was a that was a key part of the ball game, and I and I think that really changed the momentum of that ball game, and it made those guys in that clubhouse believe, hey, we can come back and win this thing, which they did. Yeah, no, and, and that's that's the thing too. Like when you look at you know guys like Jose Abreu, who like at his age and the type of season he's having, underrated. I mean, like I feel like nobody nobody talks about him enough. I know he won an MVP in twenty twenty, but regardless, like the way he's been playing this year. It's just been not talked about enough. I mean, the guy at his age, you know, doing what he's doing, I think is super impressive. And um, kind of just, you know, where I, I like, where would the Sox be without him, right? Because it's like that little 
moment after last season where you kind of like were like, man, are they going to resign? What's going to go on? Are they going to move on? No, no, they they kept them, and it was obviously a, a, the best decision they could have made uh, because of how they played. And also, another thing I want, and I saved it for last because I think it was kind of like the highlight of the weekend of that series win is is Dylan Cease's near no hitter um, against the Twins. Uh, obviously, you were there. So, like, how was that? What did you think about his – I mean, it's just classic Dylan Cease, obviously. It kind of – you know, obviously just – it was unfortunate he couldn't close it out. And, of course, it happened to be Luis Arise that, that gets the hit. Of course, it's that guy. Um, so, it kind of – yeah, kind of walk us through, like, how, how that game went. Man, it, 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 that, was, that, was the, that was the highlight of the series. Uh, just keeping track of how many pitches he had thrown – through the first five innings, the game was moving so fast, man. Like you, you look up, it was a six fifteen start. It's around close to seven thirty, and you're through five and a half innings. And you're looking at the pitch count. You're like, man, this guy's only thrown fifty pitches through the first five innings, and you don't want to say anything to the fans. Mm-hmm. But I, but the guy next to me who was sitting by me said, man, he's got a no hitter. I said, man, I know. <laughs> I said, I've been paying attention since, like, the first three of it. And I've seen all zeros on the board. I said, I, I know that he walked a, a guy. I said, man, I said, he's not even – he didn't even strike out a lot of batters. That was a crazy thing. And he was getting mm-hmm. better as the game went along. And the, the one thing that just was remarkable about it was being in there in that ballpark. You could tell once he got to the sixth inning and how he was leaving that mound – and then at the eighth, when he was like, you know, raising his hands up, trying to cheer up the crowd and, and, and feeding off of it, you could tell he knew that 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 no hitter was intact and that he had a chance. Granted, yeah, he lost it against Luisa Rise, but Luisa Rise is, you know, the best hitter in the American League, mm-hmm. average wise, batting over 300. That was going to be a tough out regardless, but I do respect the fact that Cease went at him mm-hmm. and he went at him with his best pitch. He just made a hit. You know, you just have to tip your cap to the guy. But it, it was a hell of a performance. And to me, it was a Cy Young performance to do that on a national stage with the lights on you and, and MLB on Fox on hand for the coverage. Um, I, I think that was, that, to me, that, that was one of the best games I've been to in the last 10 years. And, and, and I, I was at the Gavin Floyd no-hitter. I mean, or near no-hitter in 2008. He went eight and a third against Minnesota and gave up a double to Joe Mauer. So I wish I could have saw a no hitter, but you would take a complete game, especially a complete game from a pitcher like Dylan Cease, which as great as he is, has shown recently an ability to go into extended innings of work, which we haven't seen from him on a consistent basis. His last two starts, he's gone at least eight or better, and he's only given up three hits. He's only given up three hits. And with two of those hits being home runs, of course, against Minnesota, I mean, Arizona, which was a no, de- a no decision. I mean, the guy's just simply remarkable, man. Um, that, that was definitely the highlight of the weekend. And he deserves all the praise that he's getting for. And uh, hopefully, you know, he can continue to build off of this. Because I don't think this will be the last time we'll get a notification saying, hey, Dylan Cease has a no-hitter through eight innings. I really don't. Yeah, I mean, he's he's those types of guys that he's one of those types of guys that every time he goes out there, you think you know he might throw a no hitter than that. It's it's you know it's it's that type of elite stuff that you know you think you know 
every night you could, you could do something special. And you know what I was thinking too, is like, I wanted to see what you thought. And it's like, kind of, you kind of uh, alluded to it with the Lisa rise thing and by give him giving his best stuff. But some people were like, man, he should have just walked him there. He should have whatever. But I'm like, no, I don't think, so. no, look, you talk to Dylan cease. I guarantee you, I'm willing to bet a lot of money that he, that he would have said, you know what? No, I want to get this guy for the last out of a no hitter. Can you imagine how great that would be? If he got with the best hitter in the, in the AL, out like no yeah he he's not gonna like be like oh i want to get this no hitter no, no, no he's gonna he's gonna go at it the, the best the best uh you know with his best stuff right absolutely you know and mm-hmm. a couple of people were saying that in my row mm-hmm. where i was sitting off of down the third baseline you know a lot of people saying well, you know he should have walked him i'm like no the, I, I appreciate the competitor dylan man trying to go after the, mm-hmm. the best hitter in the american league average wise not named mm-hmm. Aaron judge of course yeah you know i mean you you, you gotta you just got to tip your cap. I mean, it, it, it happens. Uh, but he had a hell of an outing, and he got better by the game. Mm-hmm. You, you know, one thing that impresses me the most about Dylan Cease this season is he's dominating the league with only two pitches, mm-hmm. a fastball and a slider. And I don't know if it's because of, like, the ear high release point or what, but, like, these guys cannot catch up to it. Mm-hmm. And you could just you you can see it like it, it, it's very it's very rare that you can find a pitcher in baseball who you know when you go up there he's gonna give you a chance to win every single day or you just look at the the, the rotation for the series you like oh Dylan C's pitching that's a win mm-hmm. you know the, I don't think White Sox fans have had a ace of this level since Chris Sale and to have this ace on their franchise right now in the thick of a playoff race makes you wonder, hey, if this team takes care of business and do what they're supposed to do and win back-to-back AL Central Championships, hey, maybe they can go on the run. Because in October, as we all know, it comes down to pitching. You're going to need guys like that with the money on the line. Yeah, and that's the thing, like, with – like, all the Sox have to do is get, you know, get healthy, get those starters in, because really – you see how Lance Lynn has been pitching, and I was going to mention him a little bit too, is how he's been, yeah, 245 ERA in August. Uh, again, another thing that hadn't, hasn't been talked about enough just because of how he started when he came back from the IL is, is it's very important for him to get back into being Lance Lynn because you, you know, yeah, it's like you, I've, I've been saying this for, for the whole season, no matter what happens, the Sox sneak into the playoffs. You're telling me you're going to go into postseason with Cease, Lynn, Kopech, one, two, three. Come on, like any any anything can happen, and even the bullpen can. You know the the Hendricks obviously you know had a rough couple like couple months start the season. He's obviously found his way back. Him, the only thing with him, and, and I've been met, talking about it too, is with Hendricks is that it's been a little risky, right? Like he puts himself in he puts himself in a situation. Kind of reminds me of Colome, how Colome was even in his All Star mm-hmm. season. He gets guys on base, and that's the thing. The problem there because a lot of people are like, oh well, he gets him out, he gets out of this situation. But the only problem there is that in the postseason, you can't give like teams like the Yankees, teams like the Astros, guys on base in the ninth inning because it's just like one. They get, their lineups are so stacked that like you know you get guys up there and you know they, you know they could end the game. So that that's the that's the risky part. That's you know, but I think that hopefully they'll be able to figure it out before you know come season end. And you kind of mentioned a little bit about it too, about just in general about the West Coast trip, but you. I think it's also very important the Sox at least take three out of four in this Oakland series, uh, not only to assert dominance on a team like the A's, but just to kind of keep it going. I think even 
look, I think even if they split the series 2-2, it's not necessarily like, you know, the end of the world. Obviously, that could hurt them in the standings, but it's, it's you know, playing Oakland and, and playing in the West Coast, whatever. But, yeah, three out of four, right, is probably, you know, what, what you're hoping for. Right? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Oakland has been a very tough place, you know, over the last 20-plus years for the White Sox. And to me, the objective is to get three out of four. You want to win every single series from this point forward. The margin for error is small. You're in the middle of a penny race. You're two and a half games back as of right now. You you, you got to capitalize on these type of teams. Oakland is last place in the West. Granted, Oakland has some young, fiery pieces. Guys are going to compete. Guys trying to compete not only for jobs, but roster spots going into next season. If not with Oakland or other rosters, you know, league-wide. You, you you have to take these series. And, you know, you talk about the White Sox pitching staff with guys like Lance Lynn and, and Cease and Kopech. Johnny Cueto, man, you know, 36 years old, 18 out of his 20 starts, I believe, he's went six innings or more. You know, I, he's gotten to the point now where I, I have to just call him Mr. Consistent, you know, because every, every time he steps out, you know that you're going to get at least six innings or more out of him. You're going to get at least three earned runs or less. And he's always going to give you a chance to be in a ball game, man. And what impresses me the most with Cueto is, is that he doesn't have the overpowering stuff that he once had in his prime when he was in Cincinnati, but he's still able to get guys out. He's still able to change up his speeds and get in and out of jams and get, you know, timely ground balls into double plays. This guy has just been incredible. Um, not only on the field for this Sox team, but off the field as a leader. I think he's played a big role in Reynaldo Lopez development out of the bullpen. And you can tell that this team, when he starts just going to games, they rally around that guy, man. Yeah, and, and, and no, that's the thing, too. Like, in that in that game, the, the Sox lost against the Mariners, the only game they lost, game two. Yeah, Logan Gilbert, you know, outdueled Cueto, and Cueto just, you know, pitched his heart out too, and you know, it was unfortunate. You know, Sox weren't able to, you know, give him any runs. But yeah, and it, yeah, and this thing, I left him off, the, I left him off the list. But yeah, having him as say a uh, number four on the list, and depending on how they feel, how Giolito goes into October, um, you know, and all that. Um, even then, if like they, if they say Giolito has a great month and Cueto comes out of the bullpen, or you know, they could, you know, switch him off and stuff like that. I mean, that's great experience, whether it be out of the bullpen or, or whatever it is, but yeah, it's going to be, you know, really great to, to, to see how this season ends for the Sox. Got a whole month to go and, you know, plenty of time for them to, to, you know, to get, uh, to continue this streak and to be able to take down the, the twins and guardians. But yeah, as, as of right now, as we sit here on Wednesday, uh, they're currently, uh, let me leave. It is two, yeah, two, two and a half games back. Um, and uh, the Twins are two games back, so it's going to go down to the wire, and as it should, as it's been the whole season. So hopefully the Sox can get it done. Uh, we'll shift our focus now to the Cubs, who are 57-78 and 78 on the opposite end of the spectrum when it comes to postseason uh, contention. Uh, they went to Toronto, where they lost two out of three against the Blue Jays, and then they were swept out of St. Louis. Um, as much as they've been playing great in the second half, um, this kind of was more of like a bring, you know, they, the last two weeks, I should say, we're kind of bringing this team back down to earth as, as to how they should be playing. Um, but, you know, for example, that Toronto series was, it was cool to, you know, for them to play up there and kind of get a peek at 
of, of what a, of what a core looks like for a team like the Blue Jays with, you know, Bichette and Guerrero and stuff like that. So it's good to see that they ended up, you know, savaging at least one game there in the, in the finale, seven to five. Um, and then, you know, in that, that series against St. Louis, like I, I've been saying it all season and, and that the Cubs play the, the Cardinals and the Brewers well. They beat the Brewers in the season series. They play the Cardinals well, too. But this weekend, it was really just the Cardinals outclassing the Cubs, just plain and simple. It was an absolutely no competition whatsoever. In game one, uh, eight nothing. And then game two, uh, the Cubs took an early lead. But Drew Smiley uh, just couldn't contain uh, Paul Goldschmidt and company. They, they, they lost eight four. And then in the finale is the one I really want to talk about, too, because that that finale, you know, that game was a pitcher's duel, you know, going, you know, going into late innings and Albert Pujols in his last at bat, which is a pinch hit uh, plate appearance against the Cubs. He hits a two run shot and that is the game winning hit. I mean, that guy like lives for the big stage, obviously, like his whole career. He's been doing this type of stuff. And, you know, uh, as much as I've hated playing against playing the Cubs playing against him, like, you know, it's been, it's literally been an honor to watch how Pujols play, you know, 20 times a year, uh, you know, obviously not for the last 10 years, but for the most of like when I watched him, you know, growing up, uh, you know, I felt like every time the Cardinals played the Cubs, it was, you know, he was going to hit two, three home, like the dude launched every time at Wrigley. So uh, kind of what did you think and what do you think about his overall chase uh, for that uh, 700? Well, it's just remarkable, man. You know, Albert Pujols has been playing in this league since I was eight years old. So I, I came up, you know, watching him. And even though I'm a White Sox fan at heart, I always liked those teams from St. Louis back in the early 2000s with Pujols, Edmonds, Scott Rowland, you know, LaRusa at the helm, and, you know, Edgar Renteria and those guys. So it's, it's cool to see him riding off in the sunset where his career all started place where he's won two championships and has a chance, you know, to do something that most guys don't get a chance to do in this league. And that's his 700 home runs. And it's been cool to see him go on this power surge. It's been cool to follow him throughout this whole journey and to see, you know, how he pulled an upset, you know, the home run derby, beat house Warburton round one and stuff. So I, I'm, I'm very happy to see Albert in this position and in this position, not only in St. Louis, but in a position where they're playing, for a world championship, you know, they lead the division in the central right now and they have a chance and he's back reunited with his guy, Yadi Molina, who's going to be, you know, wrapping up his career with a, with a nice ribbon bow. And, and both of them, you know, eventually will be in Cooperstown with one another together. So I, I think it's real cool to see. And I, I hope he gets it. I think everybody in the baseball universe is rooting for him because, um, if there's anybody that deserves it, it's Pujols, man. To be able to do this 20-plus years, put your body through the rigors of the grind, 162 games, man, that's that's incredible. No, yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things that, you know, you hate to say it, but you just admire it so much. Like, even as a Cubs fan, like, man, it'd be, it would be so awesome to have, like, those types of players in your team for that long. And even if Pujols left, came back, you know, to have Wainwright, Yachty, Molina there for their whole careers. I mean, I remember – um, you know, being in sixth grade, watching that 06 World Series, that was my first, the first World Series I, I you know, I watched where like, I watched the whole season. I, I like, so I had all, I knew all the narratives and stuff and kind of seeing what the Cardinals did, you know, with, you know, after, you know, they persevered that whole season and then have a uh, Wainwright close out that World Series. Um, and to see what he's done now is, is just, it, I mean, it's, it's, it's awesome. I mean, so uh, definitely hope, I hope, uh, you know, nothing but the best for, for a guy like our Pujols. Obviously I don't want the Cardinals to win the World Series, 
but they definitely have it. They definitely have a shot. Cause it's one of those things where like, I, I've, and I've said this another episode before, it's like the Midwest as a whole has underachieved, right? And they've been very disappointing when it comes to just AL Central, NL Central. I don't think any of those teams are going to win the World Series. But if I had to choose one team that I could be like, okay, they can win the World Series, it'd probably be the Cardinals just because, you know, they always in October, it, you know, we saw it the year they, they, uh, um, they made it to the NLCS when no one really expected. I think that was uh, 2019, I believe, uh, where they yeah. lost the, the Nets. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, it's just the way they, they, you know, they are. And, and when you really play them, you're like, man, they, they really are uh, fully equipped top to bottom uh, as the best team in this, in the central, let alone the Midwest. But um, yeah, I mean, they, I mean, Goldschmidt, Arenado, I mean, you got MVP candidates and, you know, you have a nice rotation there with Wayne Wright, Nicholas and, and all that. So it's going to be really tough to beat them. Uh, but we'll get a little more about the NL talk uh, later. Uh, but first I also did want to mention, Another thing that happened, uh, another great highlight of the week, uh, was uh, the Cubs starting. They started a series against the Reds. They're playing currently playing game two um, and getting smacked 6 1. Uh, but in the first game, uh, Cubs ended up winners 9 to 3 uh, behind Ian Happ's uh, home, uh, sorry, home runs from Ian Happ and uh, Seiya Suzuki. Uh, but the highlight of that game was Hayden Wisneski, who uh, debuted to a uh, great performance, nearly flawless, five shutout innings, two hits and eight strikeouts uh, in the 93 Cubs win. And that's a guy who, who we got in that uh, Scott F. Ross deal. So that was, you know, any – and the thing is, like, obviously at this point we got, you know, Cubs fans got nothing to look forward to when it comes to uh, wins and losses. But um, when it comes to player development and seeing guys like, you know, Wisniewski and like, you know – Chris Morrell. Like Christopher Morrell, yeah. Uh, Christopher Morrell, seeing guys like that just kind of like, you know, even Nick Madrigan, you know, like mm-hmm. – and I was going to mention him too. It's like – seeing guys like that that haven't we haven't seen in the lineup that long uh whether it be injury or whether it just be their rookies and stuff like that seeing that development has been you know the plus for this season and plus to end the season um but yeah when it comes to Westeski, that's a guy that i think i, I could see seeing i could see in the bullpen in the future and kind of helping us out because he's got that stuff he's got he's, he's a little quirk type thing like you know with his his uh movements and stuff like that so i like his stuff and he was really la- nasty last night so hopefully those are signs, you know, it's a sign of, of things to come. Yeah. So I just want, I wanted to get your opinion on kind of the, the young core, the young guys and how they've been playing in the second half. Cause they've been impressive, but uh, kind of from an outsider's perspective from another team, like what are your thoughts on the young Cubs, like uh, Wisniewski and, you know, kind of like Madrigal and Morel and all that. Well, Wisniewski, I was impressed with his debut last night. I thought he did a good job showcasing his slider, had good command of his change up and his cutter. Fastballs checked out and looked real good as well. You know, and he strutted around the mound like he owned the place on Addison and Clark. So, I mean, I I, I like that performance from him. And I don't know what his long-term standing will be, whether or not you'll see him being used as a starter, as a reliever. But he looks like a guy who, no matter where you use him, if he continues to pitch like he did last night against Cincinnati, he could be a guy that's a centerpiece in your rotation, be it as a starter or reliever. It's just good to see the young player development and, and guys getting better by the game, guys competing, guys hustling, making winning plays. That's how you develop a winning program, and that's how you get yourself back in, on track to compete not only in the NL Central, but to make a, a, a push for a playoff berth sooner rather than later eventually get back to the world series like he did six years ago so it's always good to see that yeah and i think that's also like another thing that um what nico horner has said or or that you know 
this helps when it comes to free agents. You know, they, they, they're playing better in the second half, makes it more attractive for, for free agents to want to come play here. For example, like a Trey Turner, who's been quoted on saying, you know, he wants to know where the Cubs are going, you know, what direction they're going explicitly. He wants to know what's going on. So I think that's very important in the direction. It's, it's very important, especially uh, the fact that, you know, they, they, they mentioned earlier this year that they're going to cut ties with Jason Hayward. So that frees up a lot of money and that's going to, you know, open it up and maybe even get it. They can get a free agent next year. So I think that's something that they're definitely trying to do. And it would be interesting to see where the Cubs go from here. Uh, but, you know, when you see, you know, the young guys like, you know, Brendan Davis, Pete Kerr Armstrong, those guys may, you know, if they can come up as soon as next year, I think it's going to be a good look for the Cubs and on the free agent side in general, uh, even going into like 2024. So um, when that, with that being said, I know, uh, for example, like a guy like Nick Madrigal too, who's, uh, who was part of that, you know, Craig Kimbrell trade, he had a great August, concluded it with uh 715 OPS, but had a 300 average and a 378 on base percentage. So I think those, you know, uh, he doesn't slug too much. Uh, so he definitely, uh, you know, raises that OPS with the average and on base percentage. And he's kind of playing a little more like he played when he was on the Sox and when, you know, there's good stretches with the Sox, uh, a vintage Nikki two strikes. So hopefully that keeps going. Uh, Christopher Morrell uh, is going to play a little bit more of third base. I know uh, Jed Hoyer and David Ross said that they like him uh, as a super utility man in the future. So I think that's good to see. He's got a cannon of an arm. Uh, so, he, you know, the way he plays, it's as, you know, as much as you could put him in the lineup, I think it works out for them. So uh, Wilson Contreras is going to the 10 day IL with an ankle injury. And uh, I saw a tweet uh, that kind of put it in perspective a little more that, you know, he went on the 10 day IL uh, with only 20 games left in his Cubs career. Uh, so that's kind of rough to, to think about um, as he goes into free agency. And Cody you know Boyer. How many of them be at home? Uh, the fans are really. That's true. That's true. I, I, I know that they play uh, this weekend. So that's, you know, if you play a few more games this weekend, I don't remember if they end at home. Uh, but okay. they there's there's plenty. There's plenty. He's gonna, yeah, he's gonna play, definitely going to. Let's see. They got. Yeah, he, they'll, they'll have a chance, to, you know, to say goodbye to him because he, he's got they got. Uh, what is this? Six of the last nine games are at home. Okay. So they, yeah, so they got they got time to say say, say goodbye to Wilson. Yeah, well, that's, that's a be, plus. Yeah, yeah, that's the plus. Because one thing I I do believe Wilson will do, no matter how hurt he is, I do believe he'll give it his all and yeah. try to play. You know, six out of those last nine out, or maybe you know oh, yeah. not as many as he can. You know, his body mm -hmm. allows him to because he's he's been a first class act for you guys, and he's a guy that, that I'm pretty sure. A lot of teams are going to have their eyes out mm -hmm. on. I mean, even I watch them as a White Sox fan, and I say, man, that's the type of catcher you, you you want on your ball club, for sure. Not only with his bat, but his leadership and his veteran presence. I think he's been a big part of the young guys developing over there as well. You know, it's not every day where you're able to have a veteran who's been there done that still in the fold. He's the last, you know, guy that's still around from the championship era besides Ross, you know, managing. So that, that would be dope to see. Yeah, and it's, it's one of those things, too, where, like, it lets – I mean, look, if I, I think they're going to re-sign Hap. I don't think they're going to re-sign uh, Contreras. You know, Hap's got one more year on his deal, but, you know, I think Contreras, I just think if they did re-sign him, for example, I mean, and, and, and say you bring up Brennan Davis and pre Armstrong next year, I mean, you have I – mean, just think about it. You got Contreras, Hap, uh, Brennan Davis, Crow Armstrong, Madrigal, and Horner. You are, all of a sudden, you have a pretty, like, good-looking lineup and then, you know, on top of that, adding a free agent or two, 
So who knows? Who knows what happens? Um, it's it's, it's going to be a real, you know, really fascinating to see what the Cubs do from here on out. Um, they have uh, one more game against Cincinnati, uh, and then three against San Francisco at home. Hopefully, they can finish off the homestand on a good note. Uh, shifting over now to the rest of Major League Baseball, and what, I wanted to ask you this because I feel like uh, in the AL it's pretty easy, right? The Astros are the best team, in, best team in the in the AL, arguably in Major League Baseball. But when it comes to the NL, I feel like it's not so clear cut. You have uh, the Mets, the Dodgers, and the Braves. Obviously, when you look at it on paper, it's easy to say the Dodgers because of the record and, and just how how nasty the record is. Uh, but you look at the Mets and the Braves; they're you know clawing their way um, to the top in the in the NL East. Uh, they're tied at the moment. But what what you know what say you? Who is the best team in the NL as as we sit here right now? Well, as you said, if we're going off of paper, it has mm-hmm. to be the Los Angeles Dodgers from top to bottom. You know that that lineup man is. Is a nightmare, you know. David Robinson, uh, David Roberts, excuse me, mm-hmm. he has a, a, a fool's gold of options he can go to at any given time, any moment. You know, pitchers, how you want it, who you want, he he has it. But right as of right now, I would honestly have to say it's the Atlanta Braves. They've won seven out of their last ten games. Spencer Strider, in my opinion, is the National League Rookie of the Year at this point. He's been pitching six innings or more consistently. I think the last two plus starts he's done it pitching you know only giving up two hits a night at best striking guys out left and right stuff is looking filthy you got that with a Michael Harris another guy who could easily be considered for the National League Rookie of the Year award a guy who I thought had the award in his hands until Strider came on as a recent you know with his hot stretch at the mound and then you got Ronald Acuna you got Dansby Swanson you know this team they got so much young talent, Austin Riley. And it's something about when the season gets to the home stretch, they catch lightning in a bottle, man. They just get hot. And even though they were 10 games back, it was a team that you can never count out. Like, you you knew they would be in the thick of it. Whether they get in as a wild card or an Eastern Division winner remains to be seen. But you know Atlanta's going to be there. And then you got Kenley dancing in the ninth to close things down who been a veteran closer, been there, done that, won a ring in L.A., been to multiple World Series and won National League pennants. Like, that that team is dangerous. That team is very dangerous. And, I, and right now I have to consider them as the best team in the National League because they're the hottest team in the National League to prove otherwise. Yeah, no, and, and you're right when it comes to, you know, what Dave Roberts has over there. It's ridiculous. I mean, it's like the, the just the fact that how nonchalant they were about the whole Walker Bueller thing, it's like, as much as he didn't he didn't pitch like Walker Bueller this year, obviously, I think he, when he got injured, I think he had like over a four ERA. I wasn't really worried about it. I think he might have been trying to pitch injured, honestly, for the most part. Um, regardless, they were very nonchalant. And hey, whatever, we got Dustin May. You know, so they they have a plethora of players everywhere. And I think that just shows, uh, you know, what type of team they are and what type of organization they are. They just built – they build it so well. Um, and I think it's kind of one of the main reasons they didn't want to trade for Soto. I think they, you know, they, they almost, you know, did and they considered it, but I just don't think they wanted to let go. They didn't want to let go of that many assets. Understandably. So they already have enough. So it's going to be, you know, uh, you know, another battle against them, no matter who plays them in the playoffs. But yeah, I think when it comes down to, I can't argue with that on the brave side of things, when it comes to the Mets, I mean, I think when you look at that, that you know, that rostering, you, you just see them play. They just they play like, you know, a team that's ready to win a World Series. They, they have guys like uh, McNeil and Brandon Nimmo. 
those guys just looked at the guy, like the guys you need in a seven game series, right? They're going to go all out. You saw Brandon Nemo made that great play against the Dodgers the other day. And, and just the, the way he plays, the way they might not put up a 950 OPS, but they're going to go out there and, you know, give it their all every game. And that's the type of player you need to, you know, to sacrifice whatever it takes in a seven game series. And I think they got it. And I mean, I know, uh, you know, uh, I know Miles would agree with you when it comes to, you know, the Braves part, because he definitely was picking the Braves to win the East uh, in, in our prediction show. Um, be, just because a lot of teams or a lot of people doubted them. They said, oh, they're not, not going to be able to repeat, let alone repeat in the East because of how good the Mets are going to be. And I was one of those doubters when it came to the Mets in the sense that, like, I was, I didn't think they'd be as good as they are now. I just thought the ground was gonna, probably going to be injured again. I thought Scherzer wasn't going to be, you know, as good as he has been. It's my fault for downing and, you know, an, uh, a Hall of Fame pitcher right there, Cy Young Award winner. So, um, and I think he, he just went on the IL recently, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, but it's it's going to be a very, I think whoever wins from that NL East um, is really going to have uh, a great opportunity to play in the NLCS against the Dodgers. And that's going to be, I mean, that's going to be one of the best uh, series of the year. So, Hopefully that turns out, but yeah, I think uh, it, it, when you look at them on paper, it, it's a flip of the coin with all those teams just because of how good and talented those rosters are. And I think it might be one of the more one of the more competitive years in the NL that we've Absolutely. had recently, right? I think it's like we we've seen you know the NLs had a lot of luck in the World Series, understandably so. But I think when you look at the rosters and you look at how talented these teams are, um, it might be one of the more talented years for the NL uh, in general. Um, also, one last thing before we go, kind of wanted to get your opinion. Obviously, Aaron Judge. Uh, is nearing uh, the AL record in home runs. He's got 55. I think he hit 55 today. Um, if he gets that, first of all, l- let's let's just say he gets cold and he doesn't get that that record, right? If, if he doesn't get the record, is he still your MVP? If if, if he gets the record, is you know does that change that? How do, how do you see it? I think Aaron Judge is the MVP regardless. You know he's been on the best team in the league for the majority part of the year. And even when the Yankees offense has gone cold, like they have over the last month, and been inconsistent throughout various stretches, Aaron Judge has always been the main consistent plug for this Yankees offense. We saw it in the Tampa Bay series last weekend. You know, guys weren't hitting, executing in key situations. Aaron Judge comes up to the plate. He's giving you a fighting chance every game, you know, and keeping you within games just off of one single swing. And it's been majestic to get a chance to watch him play up close in person as I did earlier this season as a fan and, and to be able to see what the run that he's going on because in this era where you got so many electric pitchers guys coming out the bullpen left and right able to throw 98 100 time and time again and he's able to consistently sit in and lock in and knock it out the park left and right like he has taking a gamble on himself and passing and turning down an extension to Rio with the Yankees to get an even greater payday, which we know is coming this upcoming winter. Um, he, he's the biggest winner on the field right now to me in the American League. He's damn sure going to be the biggest winner off the field when it's time to do negotiations at these MLB winter meetings. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of – yeah, I, it, it almost uh... – doesn't even cross. It didn't cross my mind in the in the recent couple of months. The fact that he's gonna be a free agent this year. Yeah. Uh, that's yeah. I mean, whoever signs him is, especially if, you know, he's gonna break that record. I mean, he's gonna have a blank check. 
I mean, that's going to be on, it's going to be a crazy signing. So whoever gets him in, you know, a lot of, you know, I, I personally, and I've said this before, I personally hope he stays in New York. Cause I think New York always needs a player like him um, in the lineup. Uh, kind of, I mean, even though they, even if they have Stan, I understand that, but just to type of star, um, you know, in New York, it, you know, I want him to stay there. So hopefully it all works out and they're able to sign him. But obviously every team's going to have Adam and uh, definitely host him and consider to have him in, you know, in the lineup. But all right, that, that should definitely do it for this episode. Gabe, thanks for filling in for Miles. Uh, we'll see you again real soon. I know uh, for sure in the, you know, hopefully the Sox make it the postseason. We'll have you on regardless to get your opinion on the other teams in general. And uh, thanks for coming on, man. Really appreciate it. Pleasure to be on, as always, with you saw. Great talking baseball, and hopefully, you know, Chicago get a team into the playoff race and hunt, and the White Sox, you know, can continue to take care of business. But either way, it's always a pleasure talking baseball, and I'm looking forward to what happens these next four more weeks we got left of the season, man. All right. So that'll wrap things up for this episode of the At-Bat Baseball Podcast presented by Warren Media for Saul Rodriguez and Gabe Wilkins. All right, everyone, take it easy. We'll see you next week.